Al-Bayan Radio presents the following Friday khutbah from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. There is an action that we do that a lot of us undermine and don't realize how serious that action is. Because actions, obviously, they have consequences. And among the actions that can mislead a person is the actions of presenting words. What are words? They're sounds that you make. And those sounds that you make or that you that, the, the words that you write, the visual words to say, they mean something. They relate to something. They relay information. And that relaying of information from one human to another human being, those words can have so much effect on another person. More than actions. So when we find the way that human beings can be deceived, it's through words. Through what's being said. If we see what can make someone happy or sad, it's through words, things that you say, which can either be good or could be bad or corrupt. And so therefore, we have a battle. See, last week we spoke about the battle between you as a human and Iblis, the devil, how he comes to you. But he has to come with you, come to you with a tool. And the tool that he uses is words. He whispers into the heart of a human. But there's also human devils. And the way they get to you, they cannot harm you from the other side of the world. They can't. Even the deceased can send words to you. Through writings or through recordings. Even someone that lived thousands of years ago, his words can affect you today. So words have a great impact on a person. So now we have another issue, and that's not just the battle that we go through with shaitan, but it's the battle of words. The battle of communication. The war of words. Who's speaking the truth and who's lying? Who's deceiving and who's the one that's trying to bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we have words that have no meaning. To appear to someone that we mean something, we intend to do something, but in reality we're not doing anything. And so this cycle, if a person does not realize the effect of how he gives words and especially how those words are received, and he doesn't analyze that, then he's going to fail to determine that which is truth and that which is false. When he's being lied to or when he's been spoken the truth. For example, give you a simple example. If I'm selling you my car, my words to you can determine if you will go ahead with the sale or not. If you come to see the car and I stay completely silent, you will not buy the car. If I don't say one word, you come. Any problems with the car? Nothing. No expression. No words. 
Have you ever had any issues? Is the car stolen? How much do you want for it? Are you willing to negotiate? And I stay silent. I don't say any words. Is there going to be a sale? There's not going to be any sale. However, I need to speak. I need to communicate words. And I need to tell you what's wrong with the car, what's not. Or I can lie to you and deceive you. And tell you, listen, this car's nothing wrong with it and there's something wrong with it. I can manipulate my words. I can say, listen, this is one of the best cars, one of the rarest cars. You're not going to find another car like it. It's going to go up in value. And I can just, I know I'm losing it. I'm sending it because my grandfather's sick overseas. I have to send him the money. I can start using these words to deceive you. To work on your emotions. And if I use them the right way, I can get you to purchase that car right now. Without even you thinking twice about it. And you feeling good about yourself that you've actually done something good. But in a way, I, I could deceive you. Or, in another perspective, if I'm giving you good advice, I'm trying to keep you away from bad friends, I'm using words, fear Allah, don't you want paradise, your friends are going to deceive you, to the point that I will convince you to stay away from evil companies. So words have a great effect. But now the question comes, who's telling the truth and who's lying? So this is the key. Thing with telling the truth, when someone is speaking the truth, how are you going to know? That's the question. If I come in through that door and I tell you that there's a tornado or a cyclone heading towards this masjid, go and hide. Am I speaking the truth or am I lying? I could be speaking the truth. could be lying too. What's going to determine if I'm truthful or not? What's going to make that distinguish? What's going to determine if I am a truthful person? The only thing that's going to determine if what I'm saying is truth is one aspect of me. And that is my reputation with you. If I am known to be a trustworthy and an honorable person, which has no reason to lie to you, you accept what I'm saying. Let me repeat that. If I'm a trustworthy person that has no reason to lie to you, remember these words. And I'm going to give you an example. I have no reason to lie to you, then you will take my words to be truth. And I'll give you a nice simple example. When you were driving to Belmore today, you saw a sign on the street that said, Belmore this way. Did any of us for a second doubt that the council is lying to us, that Belmore is in this direction? No. None of us thought twice about it. So if you ask a person, how do you know the council's not lying to you? Maybe they're trying to deceive you and take you in a different direction. Belmore's actually the other way. You're going to say, what's wrong with you? Then you're going to ask a question. Why would the council want to lie to me? Is there a reason for me to take me in another direction? The answer is no, there's no reason. There is no reason for them to lie to you. So you'll take it as truth. You'll accept it. If you saw a sign on the side of the road that said, danger ahead, no one's going to lie to you about that. What's the reason someone will lie to you? So you take that as truth. So there's no reason for that person to lie to you. Likewise, you want to know if someone's telling you the truth? Ask the person, is this person that's telling me this, 
Does he have a reason to lie? And there would be half your answer. And the other half would be, is he a truthful person? Is he really a truthful person? So when we're trying to determine all this news that's coming to us, and all this information that's coming to us from overseas, and what's happening in Gaza, you ask the simple question, you want to know these words that are coming to you, are they from truth or are they from falsehood? Who's giving you that news? And do they have a reason to lie to you? And if the answer is yes, they have a reason to lie, then no. And they're, not, and they're untrustworthy. And they're known to have a reputation of being untrustworthy. Then if they're not truthful, What is after truthfulness except for falsehood? If they're not truthful, then they're only going to be lying and telling false news. And false truth. And that's what we find ourselves today. This battle of words. Who's telling the truth? What's going on? What's really happening? But the independent reporter, or the volunteer, or the one that's not getting paid, the one that's actually reporting the correct information with the words, what does he have to lose? Why does he have to lie? There's no reason for him to lie. He's giving his life up to tell the truth, to show the reality. And there's no reason for him to lie. But the other party, they have millions of reasons to twist the words, to deceive, to lie, to manipulate. And a person will say, in our so sophisticated society, is it possible that someone lies? Yes. Let me remind you. Presidents and prime ministers, kings and leaders have gone up under oath, under oath, under promise, crying, swearing by God that they are telling the truth only to be exposed years later to be liars, then coming out and saying, sorry, I lied, forgive me. We have religious leaders from all walks of life that will swear on their God and on their holy books that they are telling the truth and they are not lying. And years later, when they are exposed, they'll say, sorry, we lied. The truth's come out. Sorry, we made a mistake. And it happens all the time. So if these, and these are the ones that got caught, imagine the ones that haven't got caught, that have told lies and have deceived and has told, told so, so many false information. Even if you look into so-called studies, research, right, where they say, you know, for example, this certain uh, uh, type of uh, treatment or whatever it may be, it's got so much uh, you know, benefit, you know, 95%, and then years later they find out that they lied on their results, they lied on their studies, they lied on all these things, then what happens after that? They come out and say, sorry, we lied, we made a mistake. They get a slap on the wrist, but how many lives did they affect? How many people did they affect? So, we're living in a life, and this is where the Prophet ﷺ, he said to the end of times, the truthful one, the one that tells the truth, he will be considered a liar. He's speaking the truth, he's a liar. 
He's a liar. And the one that lies, he's the one that will be called the truthful one. He's truthful. He doesn't lie. He's, he knows what he's talking about. But does he really? What's in it for him and what's in it for the other guy? See, the story of the messengers in Surah Yasin, right, paints the picture of the messengers coming to these misguided people. These messengers coming, and then their names are not mentioned, but it's mentioned messengers, they came to these people. And they were calling them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us, وَجَاءَ مِنْ أَقْسَى الْمَدِينَةِ رَجُلٌ يَسْعَى Came from the far end of the town, a man running, running to his people that are rejecting these messengers, rejecting the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to worship Allah alone. And what did he say to his people? He said, He said, follow these messengers. Because they're not asking anything from you. They're not asking for wages. They're not asking for money. And they are rightly guided. What was his proof? He came to his people said, These messengers, they're coming calling you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't want money from you. They don't want wages from you. They're not asking you. There's no benefit from them if you worship Allah or not. It's for your benefit. They're not calling you to something and saying, Give me money. Or I've got some secret knowledge. You have to do something for me and you have to build me a house for me to give you that secret knowledge. They're coming, calling it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're not asking for any ajar. They're not asking for any benefit. They're not asking for money. They're not asking for what? They're not asking for nothing. And this was the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Never asked anyone for anything. For anything. Every other deviant messenger or prophet that walked the face of this earth, how did they live? They would say to their people, you must give me from your wealth. You must sustain me. You must pay for me. You must give me your money. Well, the Prophet wasallam didn't accept zakat. Even though he had nothing. The Prophet wasallam lived the most simple of lives. And this is one of the proofs of the, of, of, of the message of Rasulullah as, as a messenger. Is that he took nothing from this dunya. He could have lived like the kings of, of Rome and the kings of Persia, but he lived a life where he did not have food on a day-to-day basis, Rasulullah So looking at that, a person, he asked himself, okay, this person gave me a statement. What do they want? What's their benefit out of it? Right? Who's benefiting? What is the benefit of that? Because if there's a benefit... Someone would lie day and night for the benefit. Day and night. Because there's a benefit. But if someone is telling me something and there's no benefit and he's purely calling, and that what he's calling to is linked to me building my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is haq. This is truth. But if he's calling me away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, away from the deen and there's a benefit to him, and obviously has that reputation, it doesn't matter of how much convincing their argument is, it is a lie upon a lie upon a lie to the point that some people even believe their lies. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
He commands us that we speak truth. Qulu qawlan sadida. Truth and straight, not around in circles, but, uh, yeah, but this, that, that, straight. Straight words. Yuslih lakum a'malukum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will set your affairs alright. Speak truth, speak straight. Even the person doesn't believe it, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you've spoken the truth. Now we come to another situation. And this situation we have to understand because it's a serious matter. And the reason I call it a serious matter is because we are going to the ones that related to lying is pretending to know but you don't know. That's a type of lying. When you're speaking of something that you have no idea about and you're speaking and you're confirming these words and you're saying this and you're saying that but you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. And we have a lot of those these days. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He commands us in the Qur'an that if we don't know something, what do we do? We don't know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of, and I'll just, and I won't say yet, because we misinterpret this at times. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you do not know. Ask the people, we say, ask the people of knowledge if we do not know. No. It's not what the verse is telling us. Ahl al-dhikr is different. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ask the people of reminder if you do not know. And this means a couple of things. Why? Because someone can have so much knowledge about something and he can still lie. He can have so much knowledge about a certain field but comment on a field that has absolutely no knowledge about. When a person is from Ahl al-dhikr, it's two things. First of all, He's from the people of the Qur'an and from the Sunnah. As the Qur'an and Sunnah is referred to as the reminder. So he's a person that holds close to the knowledge of the Qur'an and the Sunnah of Rasulullah The second is the people of reminder is in whatever knowledge you're asking that person, he is actively seeking and experiencing that knowledge on a day-to-day basis. On a day-to-day basis. What that means is... I'm going to give you a dunya example. I want to make some bread. I'll go to the bread maker and I'll ask him how to make bread. He's a person of knowledge. He's a person that is making bread on a daily basis. He's updated with the knowledge. So he'll give me the best possible knowledge I need to know. But I won't go to someone that was a bread maker 40 years ago and tell him how to make bread versus that person. Why? Because he's not a person that can constantly remind or is being remembered how to do that process. He might give me correct information, but he's not going to give me the best information. Like the doctor. You go to the doctor with the most updated knowledge, with the updated technologies, he's going to give you the best information. The older doctor will give you the right information, but maybe not the best for you. So ask the people of reminder of knowledge of the Quran, of the Sunnah, and whatever field they're in, they're constantly seeking and updating, continuing their education in that field. That's why it's important. But where are we getting our knowledge from today? Influences? Influencer, come here. What year did you leave school in? I didn't go to school. What Islamic studies do you have? None. So why are we asking this person Islamic matters that are concerning the ummah of the Prophet wasallam? Who's your sheikh? I don't have a sheikh. So why are we talking to you? Because you have a large amount of followers online that somehow approve 
of whatever you say to be correct. While the person we should be asking is completely ignored. Or maybe the, the influencer or the streamer or whatever, the YouTuber or whatever, maybe they just appear more interesting to watch. Right? It's like a boxing match. You can have a boxing match with a professional that's very coordinated, very strategic, and is a professional, or someone that acts like a clown jumping around, which appears more interesting to watch, but in reality is that if you put him in the ring with a professional, he'll eat him alive. And a lot of these people, unfortunately, that accept to speak, there's a big difference of someone being asked and say, listen, this is not my field. I'm not in this position of knowledge. I'm not a person that knows about this. Seriously, you should be asking someone that's higher ranked up in the community to discuss these matters. Beautiful. You know what? You just raise your status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you're admitting, admitting your scope of knowledge and where you're at. But not you come and say, me, me, ask me. I know. I'm the one that knows. Put me up there. Let me speak. And you go out there debating this and that, giving your own opinion. And at the end of the day, you actually have no knowledge. Zero. And this is the issue that we have. That we're listening to people that have no knowledge. And this is where now it comes down to this question that I'm going to ask. The person that a lot of platforms are going to be putting up to speak, do you really think they're going to put a scholar, a alim, or a knowledgeable person in this field of history, or this field of, of uh, Middle Eastern Studies, which is actually a course at university called Middle Eastern Studies. We knew, a, we knew a man, a revert, that had a PhD in Middle Eastern Studies and Relations and Politics. And also feed Allah. Or also was a good practicing Muslim. Would you put someone like him on that platform? Or the cowboy YouTuber that makes videos from his garage or his, or his room. Let's ask his mother what she thinks. Let's go grab his mom and say, what do you think of your son commenting on these matters? Let's see her opinion on the matter. Let's ask his friends. Let's ask people that know him. And you'll find the majority would just shake their head and say, we don't even believe how he even had a position to speak. But you know what? This is the type of person that needs to speak to make us look like idiots. That's the truth. We'll get this Muslim. He makes pranks. He does pranks. He mucks around. He does all this comedy, this and that, whatever. Serious situation. People are dying. This guy is making clown videos and prank videos. Let's get this guy and put him on news to represent the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So is there truth in that? Think about that. The guy that was doing a prank video yesterday and a comedy video the day before and another stupid another video the day before that and another video making fun of Islam and aspects of Islam the video before that is now commenting about a situation that's causing the death and destruction of, of Muslims and their families. And a person that can do absolutely nothing to represent the ummah. That's not a mockery to our religion. It is. While the one that is supposed to talk, the scholar, alim, leader, whatever, that is supposed to comment, 
Yes, some will give him a platform. The ones that try to stay in the middle and not be biased, yes. But generally, he's overlooked for the clown. And even if that clown makes, we say, oh man, there he, got, he made some amazing statements. He made great statements. He, that's, that's the point. That you're not, that's not what we're not understanding. Regardless of how strong his statements are and how well he done in the interview, to the world, to us, he's a Muslim. To the whole world, he's a clown. He's still a clown. And everything he says is because he's a clown. That's the reality of it. No one's taking him seriously. No one is taking him seriously. Youngsters are saying, oh my God, you see so-and-so. This, I'm not p- picking on anyone. I'm just saying generally how we see it. It's happening all across the world. What do you think? Well, what do I think? I remember when they were asking certain football players and certain people about certain situations happening overseas. They go, what do you think? They say, I'm a football player. What do you think? I'm a soccer player. It doesn't matter what I think. I'm not a politician. I'm not a person in this field. It doesn't matter what I think. What do you think? Oh, I'm a basketball player. Why are you asking me what I think? That's not my field. What do you think? I'm a clown on YouTube. It's not my field. I'm a prankster. It's not my field. And this is the problem. Now, these people have taken over the position of pretty much running the opinion of the ummah, which is sad. And it's even sadder that now with all the junk and rubbish and haram and evil and even some of them, and subhanAllah, this is the thing that you have some of the Muslims that hold max followers. We're talking hundreds, millions of followers online. They're silent. They're silent. One famous one that's Palestinian himself. I didn't want to mention his name on the minbar. He's silent. hasn't said one word, silent. Complete silence. Complete silence. Nothing. Doesn't want to affect his legacy, his reputation, whatever rubbish he's trying to build. Silent. He's Palestinian himself. Silent. Many others, they're Palestinian. Silent. Not one word. They want to stand up for this ummah. And they might have started all these videos, some religious videos, and then completely transformed into, you know, whatever now. Silent. Not saying one word. Why? Because we don't want to lose our platform. We don't want to get kicked off YouTube. We don't want kicked off our Instagrams or whatever. We don't want kicked off TikTok. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. Stay silent. Stay silent. Because you know what happens on the day of judgment? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you want to talk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you silent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you silent and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you blind. Why? Because you had a chance to speak. And to speak to millions of people. But you stayed silent. We get what we get upset with the non-Muslim. The non-Muslim that does not condemn, we say you should condemn. But what about the Muslim that doesn't condemn? The Muslim that doesn't condemn. How should he be treated? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He tells about the one on the day of judgment that wants to talk. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He seals their mouth. The day their mouths will be sealed shut. You want to talk now? You didn't talk in the world. You didn't talk in the dunya. When you had a platform opportunity to talk, 
and condemn, you didn't. You were criticizing the non-Muslims for not condemning, but you yourself did not condemn. So the day their mouths will be sealed shut, and then their hands will feet and will talk, and their feet will talk from that which they used to do. This is what we say when it comes to words. And a lot of times, even condemning, there's nothing wrong with it. You have hundreds of people in prominent positions condemning and standing with Gaza and condemning what's happening there. And nothing's happened to them. Because even the non-Muslim, the non-Muslim, the non-Muslim is standing up for Gaza. Even the Jew, there's even organizations called Jews for Palestine are protesting and marching for Gaza. Never in the history have we ever heard of a conflict between two people and the so-called enemy on the other side is joining the other faction in protest against their own people. Saying what our people are doing is wrong. I've never seen a Palestinian go to the other side and protest with the people of Israel against Palestine. Never seen it. But thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds and thousands of Jews are protesting for Gaza against their own state. Calling what they calling their state or calling their state out for what they're doing is wrong. And they say we are embarrassed for what they are doing. Never seen that before. That when even the enemy praises you, <laughs> that's what they used to say, even the enemy praises you, you know you're on the right pathway. Even the enemy, or so-called enemy, we say, right, yani, enemy, enemy, but the other faction is praising you and is siding with you and agreeing with you, then that's a truth, that, that's a sign that you're on the truth. And that's not, I don't remember where that's happened. Where the other side has said, no, we are standing with Gaza, but you're a Jew. But I'm with Gaza, but you're a Jew. Yes, but what they're doing is wrong because, why? Because the commandment, the first commandment or the second commandment in the Torah is what? What's the one of the first commandments of Musa, alayhi salam? The Torah, the Jews, what they believe. Thou shalt not kill. And how much emphasis they put on the Ten Commandments. They say, live by the Ten Commandments. Even some Jewish rabbis say that if a non-Jew lives by the Ten Commandments, then he is blessed by God. That's how important the Ten Commandments are. Thou shalt not kill. That's the reality. The truth always prevails. Regardless. But unfortunately, the war of words these days and words coming in, words coming out, just confusing the situation. Alhamdulillah, we have a lot of Muslim people that analyze, that know the situation, that will give the right information, the correct information. Would even say that, listen, you know what, there will maybe mistakes done on our side. Yani they analyze the situation to the key, to give us a clearer picture. And when you hear the explanation, you understand and become even clearer that this is a type of oppression that this world 
has not seen since the world wars. It's actually worse than what we see online. It's actually worse than what we view online. And do you know what the sad thing is? It's something that the whole ummah, in one way or another, also should take a point of responsibility. Because the people of Gaza, and this is why one Gaza, one a Gaza resident, he said, and I remember this quote, and I'll end off with this. He said, O Ummah, O Ummah, O nation of Muhammad, do not offer janazah on our deceased. Don't offer janazah on our deceased, on our dead. Don't offer janazah. Because we are the ones that are alive and you are the ones that are dead. You Use, use it. We're alive. The deceased, we're, they're alive. Here in Gaza, we're alive. But you're the ones that are dead. You're the ones that are dead. And that statement, subhanAllah, I'm not going to say for the whole ummah, but it holds some truth.